You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with my co-host, Katie Vernoy, and we are venturing back into getting your message out to your audience, targeting the people that you want to target, and really being able to narrow down the right kind of people, finding your practice, finding your business. And today we are joined by Katie Reed. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and has done all sorts of marketing and publicity work for therapists. She's helped us out with our Therapy Reimagined conferences with some of our branding and marketing there. Uh, she's also an international jewel thief, and welcome <laughs> to the show. I didn't know somebody told you about that. <laughs> oh, Katie, we are so happy to have you here. Thank you for being here. Uh, the question we always ask everyone when we first get started is, who are you and what are you putting on to the world besides apparently illegal jewels? <laughs> I know you always ask people these nice little tiny easy questions like, who are you? That could, you know, cause a nervous breakdown easily right at the top of the right. hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we try to make it easy and light. <laughs> right. While I was born in, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm Katie Reed. I have, I kind of feel like I've been an MFT forever. I've been all around the field. I think much like both of you doing agency work, agency leadership, private practice, teaching grad school, like all the different things that one does over the course of a career. And definitely fell in love with the marketing side of it. And as you guys know, I'm kind of obsessed with how crappy a lot of therapist websites are <laughs> because we're not necessarily people who like spring from the womb understanding HTML coding. And so <laughs> a lot of us, the website, the marketing, it's this real afterthought to the work we want to do. And so I love helping therapists. I'm kind of obsessed with good copywriting. I love helping therapists hit that niche that they want to hit with the copywriting that really speaks to those people. And then of course, making sure that your design and your flow and all of those things work with your websites as well. And then beyond that, I also, I have a big free Facebook group called the Therapreneurs. And that is kind of focused on people like us in a way, people who maybe have been therapists for a while, or maybe not, maybe you're still in grad school, but you know, there's more out there for you. And you're curious about about coaching or consulting or creating an online class. Yeah, like leading a retreat or a conference, for example. <laughs> All these different things that we can use to supplement our income, but also I think to engage our creativity. And sometimes therapists start feeling a little burned out, a little bit bored. And it's because they're not looking beyond the office enough at all the other things that they can do with their education, their intelligence, their licensure, their creativity, all of these things. So I love helping people expand in those ways and create those secondary businesses. It's a lot of fun. That's me. Wow. You are very <laughs> passionate about that. <laughs> people are always like, you have so much energy. I'm like, it's just how I talk. Um, <laughs> Yes. Well, I love your I love your excitement and passion for our profession. And I you and I have had a lot of conversations about the amazing opportunities that therapists can have. But what actually is a therapreneur? <laughs> 
I know you guys sent me the question, do you frequently make up words? And I was thinking, I'm like, well, you know, back when I was a writing major at University of Iowa, I did like E.E. E. Cummings. So maybe mm. it did have an origin somewhere. <laughs> so it's one of those annoying mishmash words, of course, right? Because we put preneur onto the back of just about anything these days. You can yeah. be a mompreneur and a solopreneur and all these things. So I do, to me, I think of a therapreneur as exactly what I was just talking about. The therapist who doesn't want to just go to their same little office in their same little town for the next 30 years until they retire, like they know there's more. They know there's more. Maybe you know your personality is a little bit bigger. Maybe you know your creativity needs more of an outlet, but there's just a little bit more out there for you. And so you're curious about what else is out there. And maybe you're going to lead a conference like these cool people I know. <laughs> I don't think that we would know anything about having bigger personalities or anything like that. Right, right, exactly. Kurt, I think we need to tell the audience that I have hung out with you and your parents. Yes. <laughs> I think everyone should know that according to my limited experience of knowing Kurt in person, it's my belief that he brings his parents to all business meetings. <laughs> 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 to give background on the whole story is I I was in a wedding in Katie's neighborhood and I'm like, hey, I'm here, entertain me. And by the way, I with me. I, I realize that you are with parents too. Yeah, right. I realize that you're with your kids, but this is way more important. <laughs> It was really fun. It was just so funny because I had this funny image in my head. Like every time you had some sort of a business or networking, you were like, okay, mom and dad, 10 o'clock Monday. Does that work for you? <laughs> I, I hate to say I have not met his parents yet. Katie, you're behind. I know. This oh my is goodness. Crazy. They're very nice people. You need. Yeah, I, I think I need to do that. So Kurt's mom, if you're listening, uh, we need to get on the phone. Exactly. All right. All right. So, um, I'm just going to keep rolling over the fact that basically Kurt makes friendships by asking people to entertain him while he's driving, while he's traveling. Like Kurt, Kurt's just like, I like you. Will you entertain me when I'm bored? <laughs> so, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I, I, I actually, when you were talking, Katie, I just had this vision of these therapists who, when you said the big... I'm totally going off script here. When you said <laughs> therapist who had those big personalities that wanted something more, I think about the the way that you and I and Kurt and all those things have been pushed down because we were too big. Yeah. And I think it's something where it just is so refreshing to hear about this idea that we can do something with that bigness or that gigantic vision or even just this desire to have a bigger impact. I think to me, there is, maybe this is more of an old school thought or maybe it's changing. I hope it's changing, but this idea that we have to hide, we have to just be the therapist in our little office. And so how did you feel like, how did you take it? How did you get permission? Like, how did you decide whether it's therapreneur or some other made up word, but like, how did you decide that that was something worth pursuing and supporting these therapists with big vision. Cause it just is, I love it. I love that, that idea that we can, we can shift how therapists are viewed. 
Yeah. It's such an interesting question because, you know, it's funny. I, so I work with a lot of people. A lot of us came through agency jobs, right? Nonprofits, whether you were there as an intern, whether you continued on beyond your internship, a lot of us came through those positions and you rarely meet anybody that had some sort of great experience. That's like, I loved my agency job. You just don't hear that. (laughs) You hear sort of the abject misery. And I think that what people don't realize, and you know, Katie, you, me, and I think you too, Kurt, once you've moved up into the director roles at the agencies, hey, the directors are miserable too. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, you know, like the directors are laboring under the same system that there is constantly telling them, no, you can't do that. There's no money or that's too far afield or whatnot. And so we were all in there struggling together. And yes, we know it's a broken system. And we know that there, uh, this is actually one thing I love is when people look at it and say, I want to be a consultant because that was a broken system. It was hard on the clients. It was hard on the yeah. employees and myself. I want to go in and fix that. And I know that's part of what you do, Katie, is yeah. helping people in those types of leadership roles. And how could you become a consultant that could actually go offer something that would meaningfully change the system? That's amazing. And that's huge. So all that is to say, I think there are a lot of us, it was interesting when you said, kind of push down for that bigness. I think there's this idea that all therapists are shy and mousy and they just want to like quietly do yoga and go home to their cat (laughs) at night. You know, and it is true that I I very often meet people who are like, you don't seem like a therapist Mm -hmm. because that's that opinion that people have of us in the bigger world. But we know a lot of therapists. A lot of therapists have really big personalities and really big things to offer. And we get into these systems where we do feel kind of pushed down. We are maybe told, no, none of your bigger dreams are really possible. And the most you can ever hope for is a full private pay practice at your little office every day where maybe you have a little camaraderie, but maybe you have none. Like I certainly rented office spaces where I came in and out and I didn't see a soul and it was a very lonely profession. And so I didn't want to be signed up for that forever. I didn't want to, like, I love being a therapist. I love doing the actual work, but I desperately missed people, (laughs) you know, and colleagues and camaraderie. And so I think when you start looking beyond the office, that's when you can start seeing like, oh, maybe I could create something where I'm helping people in this group setting or I'm helping people around the world because I can do meetings on the computer like we're doing right now, as opposed to just people who live within five miles of my office and can drive in to see me once a week. A lot of this comes from just giving yourself the permission to go and be authentic and challenge yourself and all of the other things that we talk about here. We've already talked in a lot of our other episodes about kind of gaps in therapist education and especially when it comes around to some of this business end. But yeah. with your marketing background, what are what are therapists getting wrong? What are they running into that just keeps maybe getting in their way or not allowing them to get the the message out in the way that they want it to? Yes, totally. I have this uh, free mini email course that I offer. It's called Client Machine for Therapist Websites. And this is exactly what I talk about. I talk about the five major mistakes that therapists make on their websites. And one of them is trying to help everybody. So it's not choosing a niche, not really focusing on what you most love to do and where you can impact people the most and make the most change. That's one of them. Another one is that 
you tend to believe when you're creating a website that it's all about you, right? <laughs> like it seems normal, <laughs> like it's my website. And we always kind of hear this thing, like your website is your calling card. And, and so therefore we tend to write these websites about things that we think people should care about. Like we think they should care where we went to school or how many papers we wrote or, <laughs> you know, things like that. But it's true. Like I'll go into therapist websites. Gosh, I remember one person who had a list of every published paper over a very long and prestigious career, but it was like pages and pages wow. of just articles, articles, articles. And I couldn't convince this person that clients don't really care how many articles you've written. You know, they don't, they don't need to see that you published 187 articles over your career. They need to hear that you understand and you care. Like that's really all it comes down to. The other big mistake that I see people making is being too smart. It's very hard for all of us to get out of clinical jargon. And we use things that are clinically jargony that we don't even realize are clinical jargon because yeah. we're used to talking this way with our colleagues. So we're kind of like, well, everybody knows about attachment issues. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, well, people have definitely heard of somatic work by now. No. No, no. they really have not. They not, really have not. not. A little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it's just funny because it's so easy to be kind of insular in our little world where all of our friends are people maybe we went to grad school with. And this is how we all talk. So isn't this how everybody talks? You know, but no, no. So getting into the head of your ideal clients and what they, how they express their problems, the words that they use to talk about what's going wrong in their lives that's bringing them to therapy, that is the trick. Like that's the name of the game is can you express their problems in their words? I bet you get a lot of pushback with the, I mean, you you had the one fine person who refused to take off the list. Part of <laughs> right, right, right. I'm assuming, not, I'm assuming not hyperlinks or blog posts, but like a list. A list, right. A okay, big list. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like but majority I'm, of the about me page was a big <laughs> list. <laughs> but I'm, I'm wondering, like with the pushback that you get, when you're talking to folks about their marketing or helping them with their marketing, like what are the biggest things that they say? Cause I know for me, when I, when I have some of these conversations too, it's, it's something where there's this almost this like, no Katie. And they're, they could be talking to either of us cause we're both Katie and Katie. Right. <laughs> but it's like, no Katie, like I need to say the right word. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's, especially when we become so insular, you know, it seems like therapists only want to be friends with other therapists because only other therapists get it. I mean, I think there's a certain nature that, but like how, how, I guess, how do you convince them that the words that clients use and the words that, you know, kind of normies use, (laughs) right? how do you convince them that that's worthwhile? Because I think to me, I can see the, the value of being you know, specific or, or correct, but it just is so boring. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's oftentimes unintelligible for people who've never been in therapy before. Right. So interestingly, I don't feel like I get a huge amount of pushback. Like I feel like most people, when you start explaining kind of the psychology of it to them, they get it. But the people who, and it tends to be people who've maybe been in the profession longer and they have more achievements, for example, that they really feel are important to list, then I give them a sandbox. (laughs) (laughs) 
give them a place on the website where I'm like, okay, then if we need to include like all the talks you've done and all the papers you've written, then let's include them because it's definitely important to you, but let's kind of put it under. So let's write an about me page that is still ticking the boxes of how you need to be communicating mm -hmm. and empathizing with your client on the website and showing them your understanding. And then let's have a place under that where we say highlights of papers I've written include and ideally let's choose the papers that might relate to your ideal client because yes. that thing you wrote 20 years ago in grad school might not be relevant to them. You don't necessarily need it there. I've also had people where for example, some people, they really are like, but my ideal clients are therapists. So in that case, maybe their ideal clients really do care where they went to school and what they wrote papers about. So sometimes I'll have people where we will do a link to their full CV. Oh, it makes okay. sense for their clientele where it'll be like, Hey, if you want the nitty gritty, or if you want my speaker one sheet where I talk about all the conferences I've done and all the places where I've given talks, we'll link that CV because there might be clients that that matters to. I think that we have a habit on this show of kind of focusing on things that people do wrong, but I think you have a, <laughs> a unique perspective of seeing people trying things out what are you surprisingly finding that therapists are especially good at in creating their marketing? Well, I think, so a lot of what we're talking about, therapists are the absolute best at empathy, right? We can get so deeply into the client experience and we can really understand what they're going through. And because of that, we can be amazing marketers. Now we of course have to get over that internal feeling of like, but I don't like the word marketing, you know, like we all feel <laughs> that. But the truth is when you change this concept of marketing into just, you are showing empathy for this client before you ever meet them, before you know they exist, before you know the first thing about them, they're just cruising the web, they're finding this information about you, and they are feeling heard, they're feeling understood the same way they would in a session with you. I think that is one of the amazing strengths that therapists have, that if I walked into a room of accountants and said, <laughs> you know, tell me the pain points of your clients, they'd be like, what are you talking about, lady? <laughs> therapists immediately understand that and they can do that. So I think that is what we absolutely do right. And the cool thing is I teach people a lot about using things like Facebook for marketing and going live on Facebook and then maybe making a video for your website. And when therapists start doing things like that, even adding a one or two minute intro video to their website, when you think about how much information you get from somebody just from watching them talk for like 10 seconds, you immediately know, am I going to connect with this person? Do I like them? Do I get a weird vibe from them? Are we not going to jive? Am I going to feel anxious around? Like, you know, so much. And so when I encourage therapists to get over that self-critic and that yeah. internal, like, no, I'm terrible on video. Like everybody feels that way. Nobody, nobody wakes up in the morning and it's like, I'm so good at video. Look at me. <laughs> you know, like Maybe A-list actors feel that way, but the rest of us, we look at it and we're like, oh my God, it's bad hair. And I have 27 chins and I <laughs> my eye when I talk, like we all have these things, right? And so <laughs> we're all hypercritical. But when you get over that and you just put a short snippet of you on your website, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it bridges that gap. It's such a great thing to yeah. do for potential clients. I think that's great. And I know that I, 
I'm one of your groupies. I've, I have read most of your stuff on your websites. and You're the, the one. I am the one that's reading all your emails. <laughs> but I know you also talk about writing your website in kind of a motivational interviewing format, because I think that is a evidence-based practice about how we help people get ready for change. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, that is so perfect. I mean, like that's, <laughs> that is made for marketing. Can you Give us a little bit of the secrets sure, on that works. Sure. So the reason I started thinking about this is I, so I originally started off just doing copywriting for therapists, which I don't do anymore. Please don't call me for that. <laughs> but I was doing. <laughs> like, I have no time. Do not call me for copywriting. That is exclusive to Katie and Kurt. Exactly. Therapy Reimagined. That is a one-off. I may not even do it next year. We'll see how nice they are. No copywriting from Katie Reed. All right. Okay. Okay, just clean we're done. Thank you. That was awesome. I'm gonna pull that snippet and use it in the future. I know it. I sounded so mean. I'm sorry. Very official. It was like the smack down. Um, so, are we doing a podcast or are we just chatting? I've lost the plot yeah, we're, here. We're just chatting. So continue. So the motivational interviewing bit. So I started thinking about because I had all this background where I was learning about marketing and real copywriting, like the way real businesses do it and all of these things. And one of the biggest and best tools that marketers have the world over is scarcity. And I always chuckle because sometimes I'll see in like therapist groups, people will be like, ah, I just hate it when something says like the offer is expiring tonight because that is just horrible and aggressive and bad marketing. And I chuckle because we all respond to scarcity. It is human. (laughs) So no matter how much we'd like to believe that we're smarter than that. And yes, like you can absolutely see the man behind the curtain. Like, you know what this person is doing when they're saying the offer ends at midnight, blah, blah, blah. Yes, absolutely. They're trying to create scarcity. But the challenge with trying to sell therapy as a service is that what scarcity do we have? Like somebody can go to your website and they know that you're sitting in your office today. And they know that you're sitting in your office next year and you're sitting in your office two years from now. And there's not going to be something on your website saying like, call now, you know, rates are going up soon or anything (laughs) like that. Like there's no real scarcity that can be involved there. And so it can be hard to motivate people to get help faster. And you guys know the stats. They say things like people need to visit your website nine times before they make the phone call. Now, That is not one person visiting it every day for nine days most of the time. What that is, is I have a fight with my spouse. I furiously go look up couples counseling. Then the next day we kind of make up and it's okay again. And then three months later, I have a big fight with my spouse and I go look up couples counseling. So like this is the pattern. So how do we motivate people to actually take action in that moment where they're really more acutely in pain and you know that you could affect real change like in their lives. Mm-hmm. If they called you, they don't have to keep going on this pattern of, you know, blowing up fights every couple months for the next two years. They could do something faster if they called you faster. And so I like to encourage people in their websites, and these are tools your listeners can do right now, say to people, just say it directly on your website the same way you would if you were using MI in a session. You can just say, How might your life be different in six months if you made this call today? How will your life, what problems will be worse 
in six months, in one year, in five years, if you keep going the way you're going and don't pick up the phone and don't do anything about it. So you can literally just use the words that you might use in an MI session when you're at that place where maybe you're working with somebody who's in kind of pre-contemplation on an addiction and you're trying to move them forward and get them to think about the future a little bit and think about, okay, what I, this seems like no big deal to me today to pick up and use, but if I think about a year from now, how much worse my life could be. So how can we use those same clinical skills you already have to motivate people, but put it out there front and center on your website? You know, I just sitting here kind of stunned, which, you know, <laughs> I, I, congratulations. Well, we, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I, I see so many people who in their marketing copy have an attempt at this. And there are people who weave this in very, very successfully. And it's not slapping the reader in the face. But then I also see kind of in counterbalance to that people whose psychology today profiles or their websites just lead with like 85 different questions. And it doesn't really go anywhere either. That right. There does need to be this intentionality to it. Right, right, right. Where I think, I don't think the questions are necessarily always a bad thing to lead with, but where I think they go wrong are where people are still generalist. Are you anxious? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you fighting with your spouse? Are you worried about your kids? And it's like everything. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't say yes to most of the questions. Right, right, right. It becomes really hard. It's like, are you ready for retirement? Are you going to college for the first time? (laughs) Do you like puppies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've seen those generalist questions too. And I think that's a really good point. I hadn't necessarily framed it that way because I think in truth, I, I think there's, there was, there was the formula. You had the three questions mm-hmm. and then, and then the formula became, you describe the experience. And so I've kind of thrown up my hands and I have like a question and then a description of the experience. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's actually a formula, but I think that's what so often happens with therapists is they want to sound like everybody else. They don't want to stand out. And I think that's exactly wrong. Of course, it's exactly wrong, but they want it. They're like, oh, I saw this person's psychology today profile and I liked it. So I copied it, but then I used my questions and my, my scenario. And it's like, no, like find your own voice. Right. And I I think that that's part of how we've ended up in this is that we, we are really good at copying what other therapists do. And so it becomes A, watered down, B, not unique to each of us, but then it just becomes the same on therapist site after therapist site. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody uses that same shade of, of green on their websites that, mm-hmm. you know, every therapist has these earth colors or the stacked stones pictures that- <laughs> I we hate those about. stacked stones. I just can't oh. handle it. <laughs> Well, to me, the one that always gets me, how many therapists, raise your hand, listeners, do you have a Brene Brown quote as the top of your website? <laughs> Everybody has a Brene Brown quote over the Stackstone image is the most common thing. And or, that, or just a beach or a beach with Stackstone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> And it's just a waste of that most important part of your actual website, which is that attention grabbing, we call it above the fold. It's the part that people first see when they first come to your website, that header. For our younger listeners, above the fold is a newspaper reference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There used to be these things called newspapers. (laughs) It's a thing where they would print the news on actual paper. (laughs) Way back when, when people like Kurt and I were born. Yeah, they were still using papyrus when I was born. 
but yeah. And I think you're right about the, oh, I saw this cool thing and I'm going to copy it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I have seen people do really creative things. Like you mentioned site today profiles. I remember once, and it was a couple of years ago now that I came across it. And so I forget the exact wording, but this guy was so creative about it because he was just like, Hey, you need to interview me. You're hiring me to see if I would be any good at fixing your problems. So you need to interview me and you should call and you should ask me the hard questions and interview me. And I just thought that's such a different approach. And he showed a bunch of personality and made it kind of light and fun. But I also thought, oh, that's so empowering to the client because usually yeah. they're like terrified of the therapist and they shouldn't be. They really are hiring us to help. You know, they're the boss. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it was great. And the, and the more traditional therapist in me was like, wow, that just seems so different. And I don't know if I like it. <laughs> I, know. I know. It was just so unique. I was like, I have not seen that take on it before. Good for him. Uh, and I really appreciate this because I really find that, you know, despite whatever the presenting issue is, my ideal client is a teenager who's had a bad experience with therapy before. Oh. And so to me, this is something that I really resonate with that kind of thing of like, do you do you hate therapy? Do you want to <laughs> not be here forever? Like, let's get through this. <laughs> I <laughs> love totally that. Feels so much more with kind of what my approach would be. Yeah, That's but the awesome. problem is is that the decision maker in your situation isn't that teen, so you have to like speak to the parent in that situation. So that that makes it hard. Yeah, poor, poor Kurt. He can't talk to his real clients. <laughs> <laughs> um, Katie, you used to live in the Bay Area. Now you're in the greater Phoenix area. Right. So kind of two very different cultures. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you obviously consult with people all over the place, but do you find that these marketing things have kind of a uniqueness to even with within the U.S., but to, to the specific markets? Is there things that stand out or are these pretty general principles? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think where I see the differences more are in, can you figure out the voice of the person in your niche, like your ideal client? So for example, if you are writing a site where your ideal clients, let's say, are like firefighters and first responders, that is going to be a very different tone. It's, you're going to be dealing with different internal objections that those people might be thinking and feeling about therapy versus, let's say, you're writing to moms with postpartum depression this is going to have a very different tone. So one of them, and when I say internal objections, as you're working on your marketing, on your website, you always need to have in mind, what are the background objections that a client might be feeling about calling me for therapy? So the basic objections are always going to be time and money, right? Those are obvious, but let's get a little bit deeper than that. Maybe the firefighter the knows that he has some PTSD, he could really use therapy, but it's it's not cool. Like nobody else at the station house does therapy. Everybody else just sucks it up and gets on with it and goes out when the next call comes in. And am I a manly man if I go to therapy? And am I macho enough? And can I really do this job? Maybe he's going through those types of things. So you should actually be writing to that stuff on your website. Like you should be thinking through those objections. And then in an ideal world, you would actually hand your website copy or your rough draft of your actual site off to somebody who was your ideal client and say, does this sound like you? Does this sound like your peers? And I'm not saying go to your client in session and be like, (laughs) 
Um, don't do that. <laughs> but let's say you have a, a neighborhood friend who's a firefighter that you could be like, can you do me a favor? Like, what would your colleagues think if they saw this? Is it still too kind of airy fairy psychological in the language? Or am I hitting the language of how you really talk? And then on the other side, if you're writing to you want to work with like moms with postpartum depression, this might be really creating a much softer landing pad and really creating that space of deep empathy and deep normalizing and talking about the guilt they're feeling over having this PPD and these things that are out of their control. So you're writing in a very different tone depending on who you're writing to. I don't know that it necessarily varies that much on parts of the country, but each person I would say would be the expert in their unique area to be like, no, 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 here there's a lot of people that think this way or people that talk this way or that believe this way. And I need to really be writing to them because those are going to be my clients. And I think to me, it just speaks so strongly into this idea that we need to know our clients, which especially once you've had a number of clients and you've worked with your ideal client over and over again, you've really found where you want to focus your training and your expertise and you've, you've identified the people who you help the best. I think when you do that, it can be very empowering to be able to write to them because when I most recently wrote my therapist website, I think I wrote it in like five minutes. It was so weird because it was like, I, for therapy, I've worked with these clients for years. And so it was like, I just was like, okay, what, what would I need to tell them about how to come in or, or what we're going to work on or what they're dealing with? Like it was super fast. And I think when people, you know, cause I was, I was kind of having this meta experience on the objections. Like I was having this objection over here going like, well, if I write to the firefighter, then everyone who's not a firefighter will not, you know, yep. resonate with my website. And people get so f- afraid so worried. that they're going to turn everyone away. Mm-hmm. And I find exactly the opposite. Obviously, if you're working with firefighters and you're working with postpartum moms, you're going to have two different pages coming from the first page. Right. You have separate right. services. But, but I think people get so worried that they're going to turn people away. But I think they don't worry about that enough. We need to turn away the people who are not going to be the right match for us. But I think we get so worried that if I niche down too small, I'm not going to have enough clients. And I mean, I think you have to be thoughtful about it, but I don't think you, I, I think you need to write to the right person. You do. And niching down will grow your practice faster in every case. The only exception to this rule, and I get emails like this, the only exception is if you are in a small rural area and there's like three of you who are therapists for the whole area, you actually don't have to worry about niching down as much as long as you have a decent full practice. And even in a small rural area, if you wanted to do something like say, I just work with women, or I just work with teens, you can absolutely do that. But if you are in Los Angeles and you're like, I want to become known as the local expert in working with women. Yeah, like you're not going to grow in the way that you want to grow. So then you do want to be the local expert in the postpartum moms as opposed to all women. Yeah. yeah. Our guest today is Katie Reed. Uh, she's obviously the wonderful marketing maven. Where can people find out more about you? So my website is katiereed.com, which is K-A-T-I-E, 
R-E-A-D.com, read like read a book. And um, there's a lot there. There's a free course you can take there right when you first get to the website. You're also just welcome to join me over in the Therapreneurs group on Facebook. I do free trainings. I offer tips and tricks and I bring in guest experts sometimes for interviews over there. So it's a fun place and it's a good place, especially if you're thinking someday you might want to outgrow the office. You can find some peers who think very similarly over there including the fabulous Katie and Kurt. (laughs) And we'll include links to all of that in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. While you're there, check out our Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference. We're going to have tickets on sale so soon and at like cost. Like this is basically- what it's costing us to put on the conference. And Katie Reed is going to be there live and in the flesh. So come and see her and take in some of this energy in person and join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, and continue to build on the conversations over there. And until next time, I'm Kurt Woodhelm with Katie Renoy and Katie Reed. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 